Welcome to the Pelvic Pulse Podcast, where formally off-the-table topics take center stage so you can feel comfortable, confident, and free in your body. This podcast was born out of the desire to share the intimate and necessary conversations about one of the most ignored, abused, and suppressed areas of our bodies, our pelvises. Not sure where that is? Let's put a finger on it, shall we? I'm your host, Brittany Ellers, holistic pelvic physical therapist, womb worker, and educational speaker and advocate for all things pelvic health. My hope for this show is that it enlivens listeners like you to take steps towards healing your own relationship with your pelvic space holistically for fuller embodiment and a more loving human experience. So when you're ready, let's take a deep breath and dive right in. Hello, and welcome back to the Pelvic Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Ellers, and I am here with Dr. Miranda Naylor. Hi, Dr. Miranda. Hi. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy to be here, too. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Of course. We're in the sunroom right now, and we just kind of had a little pre-chat about what we want to talk about, and I'm so damn excited for you guys to hear this one because Dr. Miranda is so intelligent and she is someone who practices what she preaches which I'm also I consider myself one of those as well and I think you're an invaluable resource so I'm really excited to get to chat with you and for you to share with the listeners can you share first to get us started what it is that you do who do you love working with and anything else at top of your heart today yeah so I'm Dr. Miranda Naylor I'm an osteopathic doctor um, board certified in family medicine um, so conventionally trained, mm-hmm. AKA, and then went into functional medicine, um, which I'm certified in. Um, basically what brought me to that was just like, I mean, dissatisfaction with conventional medicine, mm. especially when in women's health at the time in residency in family medicine training. Um, I like, there were no answers or not enough answers for my patients and for myself. Mm. What were you experiencing? So I was having amenorrhea uh, after stopping birth control. I was like, like, oh, this is a great time to start a family in the (laughs) middle of a stressful residency. I honestly don't know what I was thinking, but I was 30 and I was like, Hey, this is a good time. It was actually mother's day. So like now mother's day is like a super important time for me. It's sort of like a cool anniversary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like, like wasn't having a period and I was like what the hell like what do I do (laughs) even as a doctor I was like I felt like I didn't have much resources or anything to do other than just saying well it can be normal and Mm -hmm. you know just wait and I knew that that wasn't normal and that something should be happening but I just didn't know like what to do yeah um and then with my patients too, at the same time, it was like, I'm lo- looking at these women who have a lot of different complaints with like menstrual cycle complaints or PCOS or whatever it may be. And literally the tools we had were like birth control. Right. <laughs> and I mean, it's PCOS, like metformin. Right. And I I wasn't happy with that. Um, so How did really you, did you feel it. like there was like a, an internal knowing with that, that there had to be a better thing out there for you or. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, I think part of it was my my brain wanting to know more. I'm like mm. very curious when it comes to this stuff. Gotcha. That's what drives me. I'm like always like, why? But like, why? <laughs> I want to know. Um, and so I think that was part of it where I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, it could be normal, but why? Like what's going on in my body that it's not able to just 
come back online. Right. Um, and then the other part was, yeah, like I had this feeling that like, this isn't how it should be. Something is maybe off and I didn't know like where to look. Um, and it was a little bit of a journey. And now looking back, I mean, I say so often that it was like absolutely a necessary journey for me because it really pushed me into women's health, pushed me into functional medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a learning process and like sort of an unlearning too, especially coming with conventional medicine. Yeah. There's so many like indoctrinated things that I really had to shed and realize that like, this isn't the absolute truth. Like there's so much more that we can do and know, or just be able to admit that we don't know. Yeah. You know, absolutely. There's so much we don't understand. Totally. Because we're not studied. Exactly. (laughs) And it's just like, like trusting our intuition, which isn't promoted right conventionally like right so that piece it's yeah it's more like trust the authority of the conventional medicine yeah. yeah yeah okay so in functional medicine can you describe what that education was like and yeah. maybe what were yeah what were your biggest I guess takeaways I'm just curious from an educational standpoint <laughs> yeah um so there are different programs for functional medicine I went through the institute of functional medicine cool um and basically it's like going to conferences where you do the coursework and then to become certified you like take a test after doing all of the training got it um yeah so it's really fun like they have amazing teachers I really loved it um and basically I mean what it really is is the system of medicine that's really looking for the root cause of symptoms to look a complete person and try to optimize wellness Mm -hmm. rather than just treating illness. Right. Um, So, yeah. So it's really fascinating. And the way I kind of describe it to people is like, because it is more scientific, it's really trying to look at evidence for things, but it's like, I'll describe it as we're zooming in really tightly to look at, like talk about molecules and, Mm. you know, all these different pathways And then we zoom out again to like, well, what do we do with that? It's like these big picture things, like super big picture of we have connection in our lives or we have, you know, good food that is giving us the nutrients we need. Like all these kind of basic, some common sense things, Mm -hmm. but knowing, like understanding it from a deeper level right? and really knowing how to like, how it can be customized to each person, each situation. Totally. Totally. So I'm hearing it's a holistic approach to treating the root cause of something, not just like band-aid approaching with pills or other kinds of medications to cover up symptoms. Yeah. Right. Okay. So who is it that you're helping these days? Who do you love to work with and what are, what are they struggling with right now? Yeah. So I love working with women, Mm um, and like really like reproductive age women, most of all, like, um, so preconception, you know, preparing their bodies for having a baby, um, women trying to get pregnant who have maybe fertility struggles. And I, I shouldn't just say women there. It's definitely couples because mm-hmm. it's 50-50 when it comes to making a baby. Yeah. Um, All the reproductive, like menstrual cycle stuff. I love supporting women on because it's another area where there's a lot that isn't understood with what's normal or not. And so a lot of women are really struggling with issues. Yeah. So it's a really like a, a passionate area of mine um and then honestly like perimenopause menopause kind of I I mean I love all the stages um but yeah those are my my favorite people okay to work with um yeah and the the things that I mentioned yeah yeah amazing can you share with everyone maybe like what does a quote-unquote normal period look like like what does a normal menstrual cycle look like 
Great question. Um, so the menstrual cycle in length, the normal is about like 21 to 35 days. Um, there is a lot of variability, right? So that's where I like emphasize <laughs> normal is not a 28 day cycle. You're not abnormal. If you're just outside of that, mm-hmm. um, not every woman is ovulating on day 14. So there's variability around that. Right. Ideally the, um, the second half of the cycle, the luteal phase between ovulation and the period should be about like 10, at least 10 days to about 14 days. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the typical for people who are new to tracking cycle. Day one is the first day of the period. And that goes from there. Right. Um, you want to know a, good, a story I've heard about that? Yes. So I heard that, um, I mean, it's still how I also track my cycle as well. Just FYI for everyone. I used to think day one was actually like the day after I was done bleeding because mm-hmm. in my head, like follicular is the beginning, but yeah, it started a long time ago when men were doctors and they counted day one as the first day of the bleed. Cause that was something physical that they could see mm-hmm. as a symptom or yeah. a symptom, quote unquote, whatever, a sign of um, the cycle starting all over again. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Did uh, you know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> It doesn't surprise me so many things. I know. I know. It doesn't surprise me either, but yeah, it it truly is probably an easier way of thinking about it. Yeah. I think it's easier, especially since there's so much variability with how long that period could be. Right. So at least it kind of keeps it a little bit more consistent. consistent. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, Yeah. It's funny because when I first started on my menstrual cycle re-embodiment journey, Mm -hmm. I was also coming off birth control and um, actually I hadn't gone off it yet, but I was reading woman code Oh, okay, yeah. and it changed my life. I still say that I say that all the time. Um, and it helped me kind of like prepare my body to come mm-hmm. off of it. So I wasn't super depleted from micronutrients and stuff. Yeah. And I got my period back after being off or on birth control for 10 years. Um, and I got it like two days late. I had like minimal headache kind of side effects and, since then it's been present every month, which is like, woohoo. Mm-hmm. But at that point I was kind of even considering like cycle syncing was actually my cycle tracking, mm. but there is a difference. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So for people who yeah, are maybe new to tracking their cycle, are there any like apps that you recommend? Because I know that's probably the first step I'd say in getting to know your body is to maybe like, look at that. Yeah. I always recommend it just because we can forget, mm-hmm. especially if we're like trying to track symptoms. Yes. It's so hard to remember, you know, a month or two later, like what day of my cycle was it? A lot of time we have to like kind of backtrack to understand. Um, and we always have our phones on us nowadays. So it's really nice <laughs> so to always true. have something with us that we can keep track with. Um, there are so many apps out there. As far as just a basic app, my favorite is Kindara. Me too. Um, especially because it works really well for women who are trying to avoid pregnancy or trying to conceive. Mm. Um, so I, I like that piece of it. And there's some community to it for when you're learning. You can kind of like share your charts with other people and learn from it. So I like that. Um, and they have, I don't, they at least had a thermometer that synced with it with Bluetooth oh. recently. I don't think it's. It might not be available anymore. Okay. Um, it was called the wink, but that way it was a little, like one less step to have to like type in your temperatures. Yeah. Um, which is nice. Um, we were just talking before we started another really <laughs> fun piece of tech that I really like is also the aura ring. Yeah. Um, and just really recently they partnered with uh, natural cycles. 
um, which is another tracking app that you can like, again, your temperatures are automatically put into that app. Um, and that is actually the first FDA approved um, app for tracking as well, or for birth control. I shouldn't misstate what it's approved for, but All yeah, good. for like, it's got um, some sort of control, seal basically. Yeah. 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 So it's probably like one of the most reliable ones. Um, there are other wearable ones too, mm -hmm. like temp drop or something like that, where you can wear it, which is nice. Just like, while it can be annoying to wear something sometimes. At least you're nice. not having to like take your temperature at the very specific time of day. Exactly. It can it's... be just more user-friendly. Yeah. More simplified. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. say that probably for people in my experience, like who I've talked to, the people who don't want to remember at this time to take their temperature yeah. every single day, it's it's so much better just to wear something yeah. um, overnight and it'll just hold that information for you mm -hmm. until you maybe you can log it in or if um, it already attaches to some sort of app. It's pretty it's pretty nice. Yeah. Very convenient. I'm yeah. thinking like postpartum people just needing that extra step done for them. Um, especially if you're, yeah, not sure if you're going to be fertile mm -hmm. while you are breastfeeding and don't have your cycle totally. quite yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like having those pieces of information because when you're tracking it and everything's consistent, then yeah. you kind of like check out on it a little bit. If you know your body, you know, your rhythm, you don't necessarily have to be taking your temperatures all the time, mm -hmm. but yeah, when you're in, in this phase where something's changing or you don't really know what your body's going to do yet, yeah, then it is really nice to have something that's just kind of done for you as easy yeah. as possible yeah so that you don't have anything that could come up right like you said not right for pregnant or, or you know for real <laughs> or not totally yeah. totally so I know you have two babies of your own mm -hmm. can you talk about maybe like your fertility journey and going through pregnancy yeah. and in parenthood as it stands right now and all those little itty bitty details because yeah those are those are nice yeah absolutely <laughs> Um, well, I might as well start off where I kind of already mentioned. Yes. So I got a control. Yeah. Yes. And I didn't have a period. Um, and of course it maybe was like six months later when I was finally like, okay, come on this, like, this has been too long. I need to start investigating this. Um, and I started working with the tools that I had. Like I started reaching out to conventional doctors, went to an OB, mm. did some basic testing, like a progesterone challenge and all these things. Um, and it took a while to realize it's kind of barking up the wrong tree and hmm. like, you know, it wasn't that something was, I mean, my hormones were not where they should have been, but there wasn't something massively wrong there. Yeah. It was my stress levels and the way that I was like, <laughs> Just eating, residency yeah, I mean, alone pretty much. Yeah. Um, but I was like eating super, super healthy, like, pro like definitely in retrospect, too stressed about food and, um, you know, it was, it was all the lifestyle stuff that I kind of had a blind spot for. Interesting. Um, so it took a little while and I can't remember, I was on a podcast at that time and I think it was someone who reached out to me actually, who like heard me on the podcast and they were like, I think you'd like this book. <laughs> and it was <laughs> no period. Now what, which is all about hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, um and it's kind of ridiculous that it took me so long in retrospect. I'm like, what was I doing? Again, it was a total blind spot where I was like, I'm, I'm eating really healthy. I'm taking good care of myself. And I was working out, but like, not like too much. I thought, and I had lost weight recently, but not like I wasn't super underweight. It was like, I didn't think I fit the, the mold mm. for amenorrhea, which again, after this learning experience, I'm like, oh, they're 
it's a, a broader uh, group of women than we like to stereotype as like it's not just athletes right um so yeah so I finally <laughs> discovered that that was my big issue and um you know went all in as they say to just take it easy and the way I describe it to women now when I'm working with um HA patients is that like we swung the pendulum a little too far one way and our body is like kind of freaking out that we're in this fight or flight our, our body thinks that it's survival time right. and either there's a famine or war or something. We're being chased by this theoretical tiger. Um, and it's not a good time to reproduce. Our body's really smart and it will shut down reproduction when it's not a good time. Right. And to get that to reset and to get, like get back to normal, you can't just come back to like this homeostasis place, <laughs> like this balanced place. Especially, Especially if you've just, been there for a long time. Exactly. Yeah. We have to give our body like all the signals that it's safe, that it's not wartime anymore. There's plenty of food, all of that by again, swinging the other way. And then like not exercising at all sometimes at all for some women. Yeah. And like you, did you have to, I was able to do some stuff. I was able to do like, like low impact, like Pilates walking, stuff like that. And really like, I tell people it's like sometimes the hardest and easiest thing you've ever done. Like the most fun to just like indulge finally like Mm. let go of whatever restriction it's harder for women who especially who are in this place of like there's something that's keeping them in like a more restrictive eating pattern some fear about food yeah and just giving in and just eating whatever was like super fun actually and like Mm. purposely gaining weight um and that one like unpopular opinion I have about it is that some women are like they're like, just eat whatever, hmm. which I, I think is important for like, especially for women who've had eating disorder or, or disordered eating, I should say. And like, yeah, really do have to let go of their beliefs and thoughts about food and just eat whatever. Like, I totally agree with that. Yeah. The one disagreement I have is like, still eat the nutrition, like nutrient rich food for sure. Cause so many women are like already depleted right. in that state. And right. then it's like, okay, eat all the cake and ice cream and all this high sugar food. It's like, yeah, totally eat that. But also, yeah, like <laughs> get the good stuff too. Yes, something well rounded. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So anyway, I feel like we, I went off on a tangent. No, but that's yeah. okay. So that was kind of like part of the process that I went through. Um. Did you do any just, like medications or supplements? I should say supplements. Yeah. Um. A list of things, which again, this is sort of like my journey of like yeah. you know trial and error and learning about things and you know you know, I don't think, I feel like there's so many things that are out there that feel like, oh, you should do this. You should do this. Now I take an approach of like, let's make it more customized to each person, like see what they yeah. actually need. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I tried like a good handful of supplements and like, you know, <laughs> prenatals and stuff like that, like mm. some more of like the basics. Yes. Um, a lot of it can come from food, honestly, in this situation. Yeah. Um, just again, like giving our body all those cues, like yeah. actually having a mindfulness practice, mm. getting out of the fight or flight, not doing so much, like being lazy, quote unquote, air quotes, if you're not seeing. Yes, right. Like, because again, there's like all this programming that we have to let go of. I'm like, right. you're not actually being lazy. You're just listening to your body or you're just resting. And exactly. And resting lazy. is productive. Absolutely. Yeah. Which took me again, a long time to actually For sure. learn. For sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like kind of giving yourself that permission slip to almost like let everything go and just redo, revamp yeah. your 
entire lifestyle, which, I mean, I could see that taking a long time for, for your body to come back online again. So you say, you said it was like maybe six months or so before you started doing more of this functional medicine kind of approach yeah, before it, it was, came back. So again, I was like doing the training as I went. So oh, I kind of like learn yes. pieces as I went. Yeah. Um. So it was probably six months of like, you know, finally going to an OB and starting that process. Got it. Um, okay. And then I can't remember exactly how long it had been yeah. before I started doing like the functional medicine training. Yeah. Um, so then what was it like getting your period back after so long? Quickly pausing our conversation to let you know that I'm now partnering with an absolutely magical and local to San Diego company called Monthly Rituals. My podcast guest, Dr. Kayleen, is a naturopathic doctor and she hand creates these herbal blends, salves, and botanical elixirs in her own apothecary. She's like straight up Hermione Granger. I've been personally using their pelvic steaming herbs and botanical teas right before my period comes to help balance my hormones and ease into my bleed. And I do almost a weekly ritual with the breast salve as I get ready for bed, especially around luteal phase. And I've also used the mind elixir for the moodiness and anxiety on a particularly stressful month, and it worked serious wonders. Like any sign of PMS, angstiness was gone. I can probably go on and on, but I want you to see and feel the difference for yourself. Honestly, the products themselves are so damn beautiful. You'll probably want to get the Transform Ritual, which is a bundle that allows you to explore diverse mediums of healing, including the entire collection of potent elixirs, loose leaf tea, nourishing salves, vitalizing steams, and a restorative soak for your bath. I'm just so in love with this local woman-led company and what they stand for, particularly with honoring our cyclical nature and doing that through our plant allies. Head over to their site, which is beautiful, monthlyrituals.com, and use the code BRITTANY in all caps, spelled B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y, at checkout for $5 off your entire purchase. And now, back to the episode. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. By that point, I was already working with a reproductive endocrinologist, which is like a fertility specialist. Um, and that was a really fun and eye-opening experience also where, well, so, you know, I'm not anti-conventional medicine by any means, but again, there's like this, this mismatch that can happen Mm -hmm. where even, um, in fertility, there's a little bit more awareness of like other things that can be helpful, but still was very much like, you know, labels. So that she's like, oh, you have PCOS, which I don't actually have. And she's mm. a false. Oh, wow. <laughs> Misdiagnosis. Yeah. Um, basically based on an ultrasound that showed that I had a lot of cysts on my ovaries, but that happens if you're not ovulating. Oh. So it was sort of like a blanket statement diagnosis she gave me. And like, I think she said, and it might be also hypothalamic and menorrhea also. Um, and their approach, I mean, I always just tell people that we're working with what is in our toolbox. So if a surgeon has a scalpel in their toolbox, they're more likely to use it. Right. Same with a, a fertility specialist, their tool that they like to rely on is IVF and, you know, yeah. all those uh, reproductive technologies, which I was like, not in a place. I, I didn't 
want that. I wanted to know what was going on. Yeah. At least first. Right. So you weren't trying to get pregnant per se. I mean, to I was, them. but okay. I really like, I cared more about knowing why I wasn't having a period and For fixing sure. that rather than just getting pregnant. For sure. Um, so, so during that process, I mean, it was cool because I got to have very regular ultrasounds and things like this, like mm. blood testing. And I got to have all this insight yes. into what was going on. And I, got to match that with what I was doing at home, you know, cycle tracking and all that. And it was interesting that, um, I remember I went in for an ultrasound and there was this cyst, they called it. And I was like, I think I'm ovulating all the signs point to that I'm ovulating. And I was super excited about it. And they're like, no, it's a cyst. It should resolve on its own. Like, you know, you're not ovulating. They were like, they did not believe that I could or was ovulating. Because like what signs were you seeing just for those who um, don't track for birth control or for yeah. conception? So I can't remember exactly, but like things like egg white, cervical yeah. mucus, I think yeah. I was seeing and um, probably not my temperatures yet if I hadn't, because I hadn't ovulated quite yet. Mm. Um, So probably mostly the cervical mucus, maybe cervical height. I think I'd been doing that also. Cool. You can kind of like feel the, the texture the change and the position yeah. change of your cervix, which is like, I think that's so rad. (laughs) That's so cool. Um, So yeah. And then, and I think I was kind of discouraged because like, oh, they must know what they're talking about. I'm not actually ovulating. But lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, got my first period and I was like, ah, so excited. I mean, we were kind of talking about this before we started of like you, most people are not excited to bleed and like aren't excited about getting their period. And there's such a like stereotype around, you know, it's just the inconvenience of being a woman and it's really not it's so amazing like it's so cool and I'm like kind of a weirdo that I like love it so much but it's like (laughs) it's your body telling you that everything's working okay and it's giving you all this information about like like what's the quality of the blood what is the color yeah you know how long did it take you between ovulation to get your period because that's a sign of how healthy your body is like so much information that yeah. you don't you don't have to go to a lab and get blood tests and like do anything crazy exactly. it's like this this tool that we have it's like an in-home in-body litmus test like yeah. I said that in my TEDx talk and I think it's just like one of my favorite ways to think about your period in general is like it is a litmus test for your overall health yeah totally it can share so much like it, it told me basically in retrospect, like I was too stressed out too. Like, yeah. I didn't lose my period, but it was like a different color. It was yeah. different texture. And every time it's like that, which since I got off birth control, it's been three times, maybe yeah. I'm like, okay, something needs to shift here. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like it's just like such a cool tool to use. And also just like, I don't know, it's so powerful mm-hmm. to be able to tune into your own womanhood and I don't know. It's like this energetic, spiritual meat science thing. That it's you get to witchy, baby. Yeah, it's right? witchy. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's so cool. Um, so yeah. And especially after losing it too, I was like, yeah, just being able to see it come back on track and, and be able to be like, okay, I can try getting pregnant now. Um, and it was like a few cycles later, but yeah, I mean, I, I still had like luteal phase dysfunction to get technical. Like okay. that was an ideal still, which is very common when women, like, uh, women with HA finally get their period because that can that still can... take some time. It's basically like, the quality of ovulation mm. that it's still like, if we're stressed out, we might not have like a really good quality egg that is ovulating basically okay. that can have a really good corpus luteum, which is 
right. the thing that makes progesterone. Yes. And so you need progesterone, ideal. right? To be exactly. able to sustain a pregnancy. Absolutely. That's the hormone that stays high. Yeah. Is my understanding. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Super important. Um, so yeah. So, and it was really cool to just be able to like have it happen naturally. And it sort of felt like, you know, defying odds, which it's totally possible. Like if someone's telling you it's not possible, like it's misinformation. But again, I was in this place of being told that yeah. this isn't going to happen. I'm like, here I am. Ugh. It happened. So and it happened not really cool. only once, but, but twice. Hey. Yeah. And number two came pretty quickly after, like basically Ooh. after weaning Okay. for both of my kids, I didn't get a period back until stopping breastfeeding. Okay. Um, but like, between my two. Yeah. What was the weaning process like for you? And I know that there's a certain number of like, um, like some people, the conception is that with breastfeeding, your period will not come back. However, you're going to ovulate before you have your period. Right. right. So you actually might not know if you're ovulating unless you're tracking those other, um, other signs. Right. Yeah. But say, yeah, like weaning quote unquote mm-hmm. can look so different for people. It could take totally. months. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're not doing a certain amount of breastfeeding hours or feedings, I should say, yeah, then you're likely to get, be comfortable and right. maybe have your period. Right. Yeah. It's super variable depending on the woman. Um, and I get asked about this a lot. It's like, there's really no normal necessarily. Yeah. Like it doesn't mean if you get it back earlier then well, that's inconvenient. <laughs> maybe that means that you're healthy. You know, maybe that's a good sign for some women. It, it depends on the hormone levels. Yeah. So, um, you produce prolactin when you're lactating, mm-hmm. like the name sounds. Right. Um, and for some women, it's just enough to suppress it. I think it probably, especially with a history of HA, just because if you're more likely to lose your period then maybe it's easier for your body to be, have it suppressed from mm-hmm. prolactin. Um, but yeah, but it's so variable. So you're right. You can, ov- you will ovulate before getting a period. And so it is important to have some sort of monitoring going on if you don't want to get pregnant really early on. Um, so yeah, um, for me, yeah. I mean, and it, the weaning process too, it depends on the situation of like, totally. if women are having, a lot of women have issues with breastfeeding. Um, the frequency might not be the same or if you're pumping a certain amount of times, whatever. Um, for me, luckily that was great. I didn't have an issue there. Um, and I think, I can't remember. I think with my first, it was like, maybe we went down to breastfeeding like once a day mm-hmm. and still I had to completely stop before I got a, a period back. Gotcha. Um, and I think it took like a couple of months. Um, and then with my second, um, we went a little bit longer. He's almost two or he's going to be two this week, actually. Yay. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and he just kind of wanted it all the time still. And finally we we're like, okay, it's been long enough. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of just stopped and then it's been about a month and I just got my period back yesterday. Yeah. So how is it feeling? Cool. Does it feel, do your periods, I guess I'm curious too, for Mm -hmm. like my own interest, like when I one day maybe become a mom, right? Mm -hmm. Is your period like prior to pregnancy? Does it feel different? Has it changed from pregnancy number one to pregnancy number two? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, again, super variable. For sure. I'm just curious about you. Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) For me, I, so I literally had like two periods between the kids basically. Like I've, in the past, oh my gosh, how many years has it been? Like 10 plus years what probably 15 years I've had and not including like period bleed or uh birth control bleeds yes. which are actual periods I've had like 
enough hand like maybe five periods no maybe six or so wow like before getting pregnant and then between kids wow um so another reason why I'm so excited to get it back I'm like yes <laughs> I'm like I, I'm so ready to like have this as a tool I can use again yeah um but yeah but between kids my periods came back like I luckily haven't struggled with like super heavy really painful periods or anything like that um but like a lot of mood stuff came up for me between mm. kids and I was sort of like in this like is it PMDD which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder um it, I had basically had very terrible PMS and yeah. like irritability um and so I was starting to wonder about that and so I kind of had 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 that in mind actually um, as I've been postpartum since my second and like kind of preparing my body for cycling again, yeah. it's like had this in the back of my mind of like, well, if it is that I'm going to use some things that I know of to help with that calcium, for example, and magnesium, which you can get from food or from supplements, um, from supplements. I mean, yes, from food also. Um, but if you supplement with a, like a little higher doses that can help with PMDD. Mm. Um, if you're wondering if you have PMS or PMDD, talk to your doctor, of course, yes. because I mean, there could be a lot of different things that could be. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I kind of just have been doing things to be really targeted with my body and, you know, give it what it needs, yeah. but also had that in mind. Um, and I was really happy that it just kind of happened without any single symptom at all like nothing so again everyone's different like that hasn't been a huge issue for me but but I think that's like um yeah it's really encouraging like that's uh an expanding example for a lot of people out there I'm sure who maybe their menstrual cycle isn't number one regular Mm. or maybe it's not um it's not always the pain-free period that you kind of dream of. Mm -hmm. So to hear you having gone from like having no period to having beautiful pregnancies and postpartum that maybe wasn't long in between the two, but (laughs) actual periods, or at least like for periods, right, 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 right. Um, to then, yeah, having a, I guess it sounds like a symptom free quote unquote yeah, so far so good period yeah. or menstrual yeah. cycle in, yeah. in completion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, again, it's so variable and it's like, we can't just say that one thing is normal or right. You know, like, yeah, it's different for everyone, but I think um, some of the, the misconceptions that come up can really harm women of thinking like, tell me more. Well, normalizing period pain, and right. not feeling good before period PMS, like, oh, you know, yeah. I'm rolling up my sleeves because yeah. that makes me really fighty. Like yeah. I I am so I'll tell you right now, mm-hmm. because I know you're on the social medias and <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've seen those videos. Like this was happening, I feel like a lot during quarantine, to be honest. But I was seeing videos on TikTok and Instagram of people like boyfriends coming back home to their girlfriends who were maybe on their periods and they were getting like Twizzlers and hot Cheetos. And I mean, I've already mentioned hot Cheetos before on this podcast <laughs> and I, they're my vice, but you know, sometimes I got to have them. Um, but it's not like an everyday or every cycle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, bringing all like these Powerades or sodas or something like sweet treats for them while they're on their period, like bringing the heating pack. And I'm like, dude, if that's happening and you're having to do that every single month, like, tell your girl to go get checked out because her period does not have to be like that. Yeah. Like normalizing the period pain that a lot of us are having, or maybe it's just those really heavy flows that are life, like quality of life threatening, you know, it's 
not how it needs to be, mm-hmm. but yeah, everyone's going to be different. So yeah. like, yeah, having a little range, even within yourself is also very normal. And it's absolutely dependent on like things we've mentioned before, like your stress levels and your other aspects of your lifestyle. Like, are you running yourself into the ground with your exercise routine this month? Yeah. Like why? Yeah. So, okay. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yes. Yeah. Other misconceptions that yeah. are harming women. Well, I think even just like, I mean, PMS, like having language around like, yeah. oh, she's PMSing if she's acting bitchy at all, or right. I mean, right. Controlling or in her own body, you know, like it's like, we're irritable. We're bitchy. Like, yeah. Then give us the alone time we actually need. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, I mean, and that's one that's so like, so common, but doesn't have to be, Yes, it's not normal. Yes. So, and yes. like, I don't know. Yeah. Just all of it. It can be completely symptom free Yeah, for women to know that it can be and not to like, you know, feel bad that they're doing something wrong or right. take blame for if it's not right. But to know that like, it can be awesome. Mm-hmm. And especially like you said, women who have really debilitating periods and they're just like they've been suffering I mean so many women who come to me they've been suffering for like at least 10 years oh my gosh just since they had their period they've just been suffering and they didn't know like I don't know I just take a bunch of Advil and I just like can't go to school or work for a few days and I'm like yeah really like no, I have if friends... men had periods right oh my right? gosh that like, one that one poem if men had a menstrual cycle or yes. something I forgot what the poem is, is yeah. exactly called but oh my gosh it's It'd so funny completely different like it would be in the hospital probably well it's like <laughs> it's kind of the same thing when it comes to men um having a birth control and then yeah. trying it out and then saying sorry, no, we don't actually like these side effects, which were basically all the side effects that we experience as women being on hormonal birth control. Yeah. And they said no to it. Yeah. And why is that? Yeah. Oh, because maybe they, number one, they have probably lower tolerances than us, yeah. but also why would we need to tolerate any of it anyways? Yeah. You know, yeah. especially if there is a non-hormonal, non-invasive kind of birth control, like using natural cycles, like using Kendara, like using any kind of paper tracking. If you want to paper track it. Yeah. Um, it's something it's so easy. Like fertility awareness method is something I've been on for like maybe the past two years with maybe Mm -hmm. four years without really knowing it or naming it that. Yeah. Um, and condoms if I am fertile. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not, I just, yeah. Love that you're, you're dispelling that for people. Yeah. It's, I mean, it takes a little effort. Right. Which can be scary to some people or off-putting or whatever, but in reality, yeah, there's a learning curve, but after a few cycles, like literally a few cycles, most people, you're good and you understand it. And especially if you're using some technology that can make it even easier for you to get your temperatures or give you a heads up of like when you're heading your fertile time, um, your fertile window. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great to not have to put a bunch of <laughs> medication in your body that's messing with a lot of other things. Um, Amen. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Yeah. And the cool thing, I guess, for that is like, like you mentioned it before, someone who's trying to avoid pregnancy versus mm-hmm. trying to conceive. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I don't even have to do anything different other yeah. than have more sex, like at certain times, if I'm trying to get pregnant. Exactly. Um. Yeah. It's not like there gets to be a lag time between getting off any kind of hormonal birth control or, you know, um, copper implant or something like that, or copper IUD, I should say. Um, okay. So let's say someone's coming to you for, you know, they have a regular cycle. They're all good. Um, in that department, like they're regular, the 
hormones are looking great and they want to become pregnant or actually let's, let's switch up the scenario. Like what if they are, what if they have like a regular cycle and everything, but maybe their hormonal, um, ratios are kind of off. Mm-hmm. Um, like what would working with you look like? And I know you are going to be doing some fertility program mm-hmm. next month. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what, what's that looking like and how can you help them? Yeah. Um, so typical, I mean, to answer your question, like what would it look like to work together and like, how yeah. do we have that process? Um, so first thing we sit down for a nice long chat, basically, <laughs> you know, my initial intake appointment is 75 minutes where we really get to go through like their whole history, their symptoms that they're having, talking about what their cycle length is like, what kind of symptoms they're having. Um, and one thing I really love to do is educate women on what those symptoms might mean in different yeah. times of their cycle. Um, so maybe a little bit of, you know, low mood before their period or, breast tenderness before they ovulate or something like that, I can start to explain like, oh, this looks like maybe some higher estrogen or lower progesterone or, you know, the come down, it's not even just the levels of hormones always, but the the change, the fluctuation or the, the way, like how quickly they're dropping, for example. Yeah. Um, so being able to talk to about that to you. So I'm giving them more tools also to be able to monitor like, oh, Hey, when I'm having that headache, it's telling me something. Um, so yeah. So we're talking about that. We're talking about their diet, their lifestyle, how they're sleeping, how they're, you know, managing their stress, how they're connecting with other people, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, all those little details that make us human and make us a healthy human being, like totally. a well-rounded human. Um, so we're talking about all of those pieces and then talking about really like for them, what's going to be like individualized to really help them get to their goals. If it's getting pregnant, Love it. not having symptoms, whatever. Um, and usually we're doing testing. Mm -hmm. So hormone testing along with other stuff. So even some basics like vitamin D and, um, iron levels, you know, they check ferritin along with iron levels, basically getting more detail of like cellular levels, Mm -hmm. um, things like that can make a huge difference with our hormone production, with our mood, all sorts of different things to start like our cells ability to function normally. Um, so we're looking at pieces like that. Sometimes I'll do functional testing also, which is really awesome to use. One of my favorites is called organic acid testing, Mm. where basically it's a urine test or some of the tests will be like blood and urine to give us this like huge amount of information about how cells are functioning, micronutrient levels. Um, I basically like relate it to like getting your car checked out. Yeah. They're like running diagnostics and like making sure that everything's running well before there's a problem totally um so so that's a tool often used too especially when we're talking about you know fertility we want to make sure that things are optimized like cell quality is optimized you know when we're talking about egg quality sperm quality right um so so that's a common one okay that we'll talk about Love sometimes it. toxin testing that does a little bit of toxin screening as well yeah um but toxins are a big issue in our environment and our fertility as well which we see I mean I've seen your posts on that and mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing that stuff too because it's it's not an easy thing to get rid of the again going back to kind of the um conventional ways of using household products or even makeup mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff is really hard to override especially if you've been using things for so long but yeah. they truly do have an effect on your hormonal levels and being yeah. able to function well at a yeah. cellular level yeah so yeah, yeah. okay it can that's be really super cool. daunting so it's a process yeah 
another thing that can bring up a lot of fear yes for some people um you know it's not we're not aiming for perfection yeah but just doing what we can to again optimize our health allow our body to be free to do what it wants to do or you know what would you say are some like easy easy change outs people can maybe do in terms of like household or environmental toxins that's a great question um one thing that's super simple is taking your shoes off when you come inside hey like you did here yes okay wait good um, I didn't know yeah, that <laughs> yeah I mean you're walking around there's maybe like you know like um dust from that's like car exhaust and maybe mm. oil that's spilled who knows what like pesticides have been sprayed on you know True. lawns and stuff like that yeah um so all that's on your shoes so taking your shoes off it's not bringing into the house which is great um another one I mean then getting into like the cleaning supply things I mean you can keep it simple with some things like water and vinegar it's a great like multi-purpose cleaning spray I'd say like my biggest thing like kind of pet peeve is laundry detergent like tie like all the fragranced stuff that's one area where people like you know, perfumes and things like that. People sometimes have a hard time getting rid of, right. But some people will be like, Oh, I don't really use any of that stuff. I don't, you know, I don't use makeup. I don't use anything, but I use Tide. And it's like, <laughs> like oh my gosh, uh, I just, I don't know why that's my technique, but it's just like, especially the commercials where it's like the scent will just last. And last. I know you're like, I don't you can't get want rid to... of it. If something is hard to get rid of it, it's not something you want around like plastics. Yeah. They don't break down easily. They're not good for our bodies right so so fragrances <laughs> in general are pretty gnarly for our hormones and they can be really hard to get out of our systems yeah so yeah so especially the laundry detergents with tide so even going <laughs> like an un- unscented or you know yeah green clear kind of thing um no it's again it's a process I feel like I'm always learning because some they say some brands are greenwashed and things like that oh but, totally it's, you know, something's better than nothing when it comes to making some changes, even right. just cutting down the number of products you're using and the number of things that have fragrance like that alone could be. Yeah. Change. I'm sure that there are like, yeah, really easy alternatives. Like I'm thinking essential oils, if you're like trying to replace scented candles in your house, totally. yeah. um, using something that's uh, non-appropriated or, <laughs> or like other smoking or saging kind of, yeah. um, smells yeah. if you're looking for that particular kind of smell yeah I know um, unfortunately I learned recently oh like okay. I know don't I tell me to... oh no what is it still I mean burning anything well right actually it's funny because since I got COVID in November I try to use incense mm-hmm. um that I got from Bali a long time ago and it's um it always brings up my like COVID cough. Mm, so yeah. like my lungs are already just like, uh-uh, don't yeah, burn anything like, smoky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's outside and it's like a well ventilated area, especially sage. I feel like that's like yeah. probably the most natural thing you could do. Cause some of the incense, I mean, I don't know what's in it. Honestly, true. You know, true. Um, but yeah, but essential oils can be a great one also, even just like as a room spray or yeah. like having a diffuser or something. Yeah. Um, can be a nice alternative. That's smart. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So those could be easy potential ways to get your hormones right. Mm-hmm. Um, for fertility and, but also beyond. Right? Yeah. Honestly, everyone can benefit from it. Yeah. 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 Including men, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cause a lot of the chemicals also can cause cancer. Which, we don't want that yeah and I mean along with fertility rates being like the worst they've ever been cancer yeah. rates are also higher than ever so 
something to be aware of. Don't mean to, mean to be doom and gloom. No, but it's something good. again, you know, these things are environment while it's right. hard to avoid, unfortunately. They're right. They're not natural things that our body is used to having to uh, deal with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So kind of going back in towards like the fertility side mm-hmm. of things, yeah. working with you. Talk more a little bit about your fertility program coming up. Yeah. So it's called Foundational Fertility. Um, we'll be kicking off. It's going to be live, which I'm super excited about. Cool. I ran it last year for the first time and we ran it live as sort of like, you know, a test run for sure. And I honestly loved it so much working it, with it that way, just being able to connect with these women. I mean, it is mostly for women, um, couples of course, but usually the woman is the one who is showing up and learning, like doing the work, all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And I just love that connection that we had and the community that we built, um so we'll be doing that again um so like live zoom calls um it's eight weeks awesome so every week we're basically going into one area of um basically a functional medicine approach to fertility so really being able to like my goal of the program is giving women tools to be able to see what some of their root causes might be basically like their fertility barriers um so whether they're thinking about having kids in the future and they're just trying to prepare and like learn more um or they're you know actively struggling with getting pregnant yeah um it's it's a lot of fun a lot of good information um out of the women that I had go through last year um one was like kind of preconception she's currently pregnant actually she's towards the end of her pregnancy now well yeah because it was about a year ago wow so yeah she's gonna be due really soon um, another one was actually working on her second pregnancy. So like, you know, some women, even though they've gotten pregnant, they're still struggling with fertility for their second. Right, right. Um, so she's pregnant now also. Oh so gosh. yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just been a great mix of, um, you know, some have like come to work with me as well that, you know, they needed a little bit more support, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, always great that like they have the base layer of information, but then they also know when they need to get more support right. or do more or like, you know, maybe get some testing done or something like that. I was just going to say. Um, so while I give those tools of like, you know, recommendations of the testing that I like to get, nutrition plan, all the stuff you could know about, you know, like how to optimize your fertility. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, have the tools to find out what each person's barriers are. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. Well, it's kind of hard. That sounds incredible. Yeah, it sounds it's like good. it'd be like a perfect um, place to begin the journey, like you said, even mm-hmm. if you're not ready to have kids yet, but kind of just to set the stage and, and get things in order for yourself. Yeah. But yeah, even if it is your second pregnancy, it sounds like it could be um, a great way too, just to be able to have an optimized period afterwards, mm-hmm. like in postpartum and all the way into perimenopause. And you work with perimenopausal people too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. So does that look kind of similar in the ways of like the things you're teaching them to do with lifestyle, diet, mm-hmm. and all of that included? Yeah. And I love working with women in perimenopause as well, because I mean, some of these things like preconception, perimenopause, it's such a good opportunity to prepare before doing a really big life change or a big like change in our body. Yeah. Um, And in perimenopause, a lot of women don't know that they're in it until it's, you know, they're, they're a ways into it. Um, so having a conversation and knowing kind of what to look for, 
really optimizing their body. So I was delaying it a little bit. This is maybe a little controversial, you know, like yeah, in mainstream, we don't think that we can delay menopause in reality that we probably can a little bit. In what ways? Um, basically by having better quality eggs or, uh, or you know, being able to fight off oxidative stress and damage basically. Got it. So being like wear and tear again, all those toxins we're exposed to just life on this planet and our lifestyles and the sleep we're losing and all of those things. Oh my gosh. Contributes to, you know, our, our cells aging and, you know, having damage that needs to clean up. And so if we're doing things to support our body and really help clean that stuff up and it, it doesn't have to struggle as much then yeah. things can look different. Right. Um, I mean, I asked my mom all the time because as soon as I got into period health, I was like, what's menopause going to be like? <laughs> and she actually told me that her menopausal journey wasn't that bad at all. Like she didn't have um, any wild symptoms that, you know, put her out by any means. Like she, maybe she had hot flashes, but she said it was a pretty smooth ride. Yeah. That's and great. I was like, okay, like yeah. another expanding experience. Like, yeah. I love to hear it. I love to hear all these people that are just having maybe not, I mean, not to just gloss over anyone other, like any, anyone's symptoms otherwise, but yeah, to know just like how you can have a pretty great period without any debilitating <laughs> uh experiences you can have also a great menopausal journey perimenopausal journey yeah yeah it's possible into yeah. stepping into your queendom is yeah. how I like to I love that call it yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> there's so much power that comes in that state as well that's like yeah so I again another like kind of black box it's like oh horrible menopause with hot flashes and stuff when in reality for one, it's not a death sentence. Like there's so much you can do about it and improve those symptoms if you are struggling with yeah. those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it can be really empowering. And I mean, I see some people just like taking their lives a completely different direction as soon as they are in menopause. And it's like, good for you. Like yeah. good for you, like for just doing what it is that you really want to do out in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty incredible seeing all these women step into that. Yeah. Um, in their own ways, like different ways, even people who are just like advocating for perimenopausal health and menopausal um, life, you know? Yeah. It's absolutely. really, really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. My mom went into perimenopause or went into menopause early. Oh. She had premature menopause. At what age? Um, She was, mm, I think she was 39 or 40. Okay. So pretty early. Yeah. Which I'm 38, y'all. So. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what my, my story will look like, but that's right. kind of my next chapter that I'm, again, I'm like with my focus, I'm like, why not optimize things totally and, and address things in a way of like, let's, let's try to push it off. I mean, again, it's sort of controversial, but I'm for me personally, I'm like, Hey, it doesn't hurt to try yeah. to like, let's see if I can push this off. Like, let's see what happens. Yeah. Let's see um, if it's 45, 50. Yeah. Like, and who knows? I mean, ever, again, everyone's individualized. It isn't always yeah. like that you're going to be exactly like your you know the women for other sure women in your family for sure but there is a genetic component so yeah, yeah. so it'll be interesting and too. I feel like yeah just so everyone understands too it's not like perimenopause is a month and you switch right. over into menopause like right maybe but like not not normally like you have to have your period missing for over 12 months right. to be considered menopausal right so where your period's kind of spotty right that's well in reality yeah it's the process can even be like 
10 years, right? 10 years. Yeah. Ooh. So, so it could start with periods becoming a, a little irregular, maybe being a little bit longer at first. Mm. Typically they'll get a little shorter and then they start skipping. We start having more inovulatory cycles. Um, Cause basically, I mean, at least the, the predominant thought is, is that we're running out of eggs basically. Yeah. So we have like less and less, our hormones are shifting in a way where we're trying, our body's trying a lot harder to ovulate and it's struggling more. And so a lot of the symptoms come from there as well, where our estrogens actually get super high and super irregular, like into irregular patterns where we can right. have like, we're, we could basically be ovulating at weird times too. Like the, <laughs> the negative feedback that yeah. usually happens can be thrown off. It's really interesting. That is really um, interesting. So it can be a very, very wild time that again, some of the symptoms can be early on can seem like, like just bad PMS and be like, well, that's weird. My PMS is getting worse or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we don't necessarily always know that it's that unless we're really looking for it and knowing what's going on. Right. I mean, in my practice, it's like I see people experience a lot of like tissue changes, mm -hmm. you know, and all of a sudden maybe it's like their periods are fine, but it's like they're experiencing painful sex mm. now and they just feel really dry down there. They're mm. unable to feel aroused and lubricated. Or maybe they do feel aroused, but they don't get lubricated. There's mm -hmm. just like a little disconcordance, right? Yeah. Um, so that's usually what I'm working with is, yeah. you know. Again, so much like great information to see what the body's doing if you are aware of it. Right. And knew that that's like, that's a sign that something could be shifting. Totally. Then, yeah. Then and it's like, you don't have to experience the whole, like, I'm a dried up menopausal woman, which, yeah, you know, you, if you want to be that way, okay. Like mm -hmm. do your thing. <laughs> but also if you are wanting to have great, incredible lubricated sex for the rest of your life, like you still can, Yeah, you know, totally. in that menopausal phase. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's all about the quality of life there when it comes up, like, it does it affect you? If not, yeah, no right. worries. Right. If it is affecting you, don't suffer with it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really fair way to say it. You know, I I agree. Yeah. So, yay. Anything else you'd like to share for our listeners? I think we've covered so much. We did cover a lot. Conversation. <laughs> I know. I know. I feel like I learned a lot too, even about like functional medicine from the inside out. Um. So if someone wanted to reach you, mm -hmm. how could they do that? How yeah. could they start to work with you if they're looking for that one-on-one -on -one support? Yeah. And yeah, where can they find you basically? Yeah. So my website is drmirandanaylor.com. So D-R Miranda Naylor. I almost put <laughs> <laughs> .com. We'll put it in the show um, notes. Don't yeah. Worry. Yeah. Um, and I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook and I guess sort of TikTok. I'm, I'm putting in a like, <laughs> tiny, tiny shred of totally effort. totally Sorry. I mean it's a different it's a different beast oh my gosh it's a different yeah it's a learning curve yeah, yeah. um and it's all Dr. Miranda Naylor um, to keep it simple yeah well cool thank yeah. you so much for yeah, being yeah. here Thanks on the show yeah. hey what was amazing with you same <laughs> Thanks for listening and putting your finger on the Pelvic Pulse podcast. I'm Brittany Ellers. The music for this podcast was created by Justek. 
Please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts by hitting the subscribe button and share it with your loved ones if you found the episode helpful. If you haven't checked out my free womb medicine meditations or phasic community, click the link in the show notes. The meditations and community boards are the perfect place to begin or broaden your connection to your pelvic health, no matter what stage in life you're in. I'd be honored to support you along your journey.